This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. My name is Doug Parker and happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, a review of Carnival Celebration and staff writer Richard Sims here with Cruise News. As always, jumping right to him now. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Carnival Cruise Line said no more libraries. Yeah, this one has got me... In my feels, if I'm being quite honest here. So John Heald was asked, as he often is, he gets many, many questions, and um, he is the brand ambassador for Carnival Cruise Line. And on his Facebook page, he was asked about libraries, and he basically said that new builds would not be having libraries. Um, they're phasing them out to make room for restaurants, bars, um, and basically other revenue-generating uh, venues. And, you know, the reason was basically that people don't really want to read and that if that they don't need to go to the library to buy, borrow a book because people bring their own books. And, you know, part of that is true, but there were thousands and thousands of responses to this. And a lot of them sort of said that they basically put into words what I feel, which is that the library is so much more than just a place to borrow a book. And this is true on land and it's true on sea. You know, it's increasingly difficult on a cruise ship to find a quiet place, whether you want to play a game or you want to, you know, whether you want to read, whether you want to you know, take a nap. Uh, it can be very, very difficult. And, you know, many of the people who responded were like, you know, if you want to bring a book, just bring a book. You don't need a library. And that's true. I mean, I bring my Kindle and my Kindle has dozens and dozens of books in it. But I enjoy going to the library and I enjoy playing games there. They usually have various board games and things there. So it's sort of another loss of something that, you know, maybe not everybody appreciates and certainly People who are younger cruisers and newer to cruising don't even know that there's a library on board ships. Um, you know, much like they started sort of phasing out chapels on on some lines because people just never used them. But to me, this is sort of sad because I feel like we're losing something important. And maybe it's just because I'm old, but to me, I think the library is kind of important. And I really hope that in response to all of the feedback they got on this, that maybe they change their mind. And tempers are flaring for guests who are booking free at sea with NCL over that pesky VAT tax. Yeah, so this kind of confused some people because um, the, the people that we're talking about here were sailing on North. Norwegian cruise line ships that were basically sailing in Spain, out of Spain, or in Spanish waters. And there's something called a VAT. It's a value-added tax. It's pretty common. You see it, you know, in a lot of different areas. But why this became a particular issue was this. People were buying the typical free at sea package on Norwegian, which is a little different overseas than it is here. But basically, let's just talk about them as if they're the same, because that'll make it a little easier. Um, free at sea basically says you are paying one price and you are getting all of your drinks or you are paying one price and you get, you know, certain meals in specialty restaurants. Well, while the ships are in Spanish waters, the VAT is charged. So that means even though you paid in advance for this package, any drinks you buy 
any specialty meal that you have is going to be charged the VAT. In fact, what they are saying is this. All purchases in onboard shops will incur a 21% VAT. Dining packages and beverages will have a 10% value-added tax. Now, there's nothing you can really do about the dining package and the beverage package. In my mind, you know, when it comes to the onboard shops, just put it off until you're not in Spanish quarters anymore and then buy it and save that 21% uh, tax. Like I said, this kind of caused an outrage among some people who were like, wait, we already paid for this and now you're telling us there's this added charge. It's it's not uncommon. I mean, if you've ever sailed on a Norwegian ship out of, say, New York City, and you have the free at sea drink package, you have to pay tax on the drinks while you're in New York City. You can still get the free drinks, but you pay the tax. Carnival, actually, when you're sailing out of New York City, does not start your drink package until the second day to get around this kind of thing. So it's not unusual that there are tax situations that arise and that people have to pay extra taxes. But in this case, it sort of caught everyone off guard because of the pay in advance nature of these packages. And uh, Norwegian sort of shrugged and said, yeah, it says it in the small print. What do you want us to do? And three changes over at Royal Caribbean. And this we're going to start with is also tax related for the first one. So the port authorities in the U.S. Virgin Islands approved a proposed charge to each Royal Caribbean group cruise ship passenger. It'll be a $5 per person fee that's going to be used to improve the local port facilities. Um, it's going to be implemented beginning January 1st of next year, 2024. And that's for all Royal Caribbean ships, Celebrity, and Silver Seas, because they're all part of the same family. Uh, their cruise ships dock at two of the ports over there. One is the Austin Monsado Marine Terminal, which is in Crown Bay, St. Thomas. And the other is the Ann Abramson Marine Facility in St. Croix. They're saying that the money will be used to improve these facilities and also, where St. Croix is concerned, to do some dredging so that larger ships can come in. Right now, the biggest size ship um, the biggest royal ship that can come in is the Voyager class. And they're hoping to dredge it enough that the next size up, the Freedom class, would also be able to dock there because, of course, that will give them, you know, more opportunity for more ship to bring more ships into these ports. What is a little confusing to me at this point is the fact that this seems to only be aimed at Royal Caribbean ships. Now, Royal Caribbean ships do the largest um, amount of traffic, I believe, at these particular ports, but they're by far not the only ones who visit there. So I don't know if this is just a starting point, like we're starting with Royal Caribbean and we're negotiating with them first and it will expand to the others. Uh, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see as January 1st gets closer whether this is rolled out onto um, other other brands who also stopped at these ports. Uh, our second bit of news coming out of Royal Caribbean has to do with the solarium. If you've never sailed on a Royal Caribbean ship that has a solarium, you're missing out because this is an adults-only area. It's enclosed. It has a pool. It has a bar. It has hot tubs. It's it's amazing. It's free. Uh, up until now, it's been an adults-only area with the cruise line defining adult as 16 or up. Now, now, this is good news, good news. They are not changing that. It is still an adults-only venue. What they are doing is they are changing the age of what they consider an adult from 16 to 18. They said they're doing this in response to um, feedback 
they get. And that doesn't seem like a huge change from 16 to 18. But if you think about your own life, I know my life, I was weirdly a completely different person at 16 than I was at 18. I was probably a little rowdier at 16. I was a little more out of control. In any case, the solarium is still an adults-only area. It will just be for 18 and up now. And our final bit of news from Royal Caribbean is, well... It kind of feels like a money grab to me, if I'm being honest. So this is about Icon of the Seas, their upcoming new ship, you know, the one that's been talked about all over the place. It's big, it's huge, it's got lots of new neighborhoods, bells and whistles out the wazoo. It has an area, a neighborhood called the Hideaway, which is designed to feel sort of like a high-end beach club, or you're like you're at a pool party in Vegas kind of thing. So First of all, this is not to be confused with Hideaway Beach, which is a new area that's opening on Royal's Perfect Day at Coco Key. In fact, what caught my eye here is that there's no mention of the Hideaway on the ship being adults only, whereas the Hideaway Beach on Coco Key is going to be adults only. So I... I I'm sort of surprised by this, and I kind of think that maybe they will make the hideaway eventually an adults-only place, because it does sound like an adults-only type of venue. But anyway, what we're actually talking about here is the daybeds. So this area is going to have two different kinds of daybeds. One is um, a daybed that's basically built into this gorgeous infinity pool on the back of the ship. They also have daybeds that are not in the actual pool, but off to the side, sort of. These are going to be available for rent. Each holds up to four guests and comes with things like champagne and special glasses and all that. And so the next question is, how much is this going to cost? Well, the in-pool beds are going to go for $250 on a port day and $350 on a sea day. And the day beds, which aren't in the pool, but have an ocean view. And by the way, none of these really have shade. They're all like on the back of the ship and there's no umbrellas or anything. It's sort of, you know, if you want shade, you're not going to find it here. But the day beds, which aren't in the pool, but have an ocean view, will go for $200 on a port day and $300 on a sea day. I'm sure that this will be wildly popular and that they will sell these, you know, like hotcakes. But obviously, in an area like this, if these beds were not charged for, we'd see the chair hogs coming out. You know, we'd see them <laughs> draping their things over these day beds first thing in the morning and then not coming in until the afternoon. So I guess in a way, I understand certainly especially the day beds in the pool. Um, but the other thing is, if you're on a daybed in the pool, like, you're going to be surrounded by people getting in and out of the pool and splashing and whatever. Well, I want to ask you this, and this might be a stupid question, but I don't really know a lot about the NCL product. How would this differ than, say, if you bought a pass for the week for Vibe? That's a great question. So uh, Vibe is an adults-only area, and they do limit the number of people. Now, that's that's one important thing. Hideaway will not limit the number of people that we know of, and there is no charge for it. It is it is free to enter the area. The expense comes if you want to rent one of these day beds. So on, on Vibe, on the NCL ships, they limit the number of people, and it is for a charge. Um, and once you're in... 
everything is paid for, you know, like you don't rent a day bed, then they have day beds there. And it's, it's sort of like going to serenity, except paying for it. It's sort of like that. If the serenity deck was an adults only space that they charged for and limited the number of people in, that's sort of what vibe is. There are hot tubs. There's not actually a pool. Um, but so it's a little bit different. The vibe, the, the, the general vibe is very similar, but um, not quite as, you know, like, like one of the things they're saying about the hideaways that it'll have a live DJ and stuff like that. So they're really definitely going for a pool party vibe here. Whereas a uh, vibe beach club is going more for a low key adult hangout area and celebrity cruises hinted that there could be some changes to their loyalty program. Yeah, this was kind of exciting. They had a webinar that was specifically aimed at members of their loyalty program, which is called the Captain's Club. And it was with their new president, who is very chill and very cool. She's only been in the position since May, and um, she really answered a lot of questions. It was also hosted by the head of their loyalty program. And one of the questions that came up, and they said they get this question a lot, was whether or not they were considering adding new tiers at the high end. And here's why. So the top two levels are Elite Plus and Zenith. Elite Plus is 750 points. Zenith is 3,000 points. So there's obviously, there's a really big gap in between there. And they were very upfront and they're like, you know, we want Zenith to be exclusive. That's the whole point of it is it should be hard to get. But they also, you know, sort of realized that there is a big gap there. And so they're looking at the possibility of adding in new milestones, not tiers necessarily, but just saying, okay, if you're an Elite Plus member and, you know, you've earned your 750 to get Elite Plus, now let's say you're at 800 or 900 maybe we throw something in there not a tier level but just like a way of recognizing that milestone so that was one of the things they revealed the other thing they revealed was that beginning immediately if you are a zenith member you have access to the retreat lounge so this is something they used to do in the past was once you reached zenith level the highest level you can get whether or not you are staying in the uh retreat you would have access as a Zenith member to the retreat lounge. But at a certain point, that kind of was taken away, partly because of COVID, partly because of some operational issues, things like that. They have now gone back to allowing that. So if you are a Zenith member, um, as the president said, run right now. If you're on a ship and you're a Zenith member, run right now and tell the people in the resort, in the retreat, that you have access to the lounge. This is a nice area, too. It's a nice perk. That's where the concierge hangs out. This is where you can get, like, you know, free drinks drinks and they have snacks in the afternoon. So this is a nice perk that they're bringing back. They did warn that there would be certain times and certain, um, you know, like longer cruises where you tend to have more people in the loyalty club where they may have to limit it or they may say not on this cruise. But for the most part, if you are a Zenith member of the captain's club, you now have your access back to the retreat lounge, whether you're staying in the retreat or not. That's kind of cool. Listener question comes from Ron in Baltimore. He said the price of his cruise dropped $250. It's already paid for and he's not sailing until early January. What can he do? Well, this varies from cruise line to cruise line. I actually just had experience with this. I have a cruise in January that um, I paid off a while ago 
and the price has dropped. And so in my case, I called them. I talked to them about the price drop. They gave me a fairly significant onboard credit to make up for that loss. And they warned me that this was a one-time thing only. Like if the price drops again in two months, too bad. I'm I've used my 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 get out of high price free card and I cannot use it again. What exactly happens after a price drop really depends on the cruise line and it can even depend on the individual um, deals that are in place on that cruise. There might be a best price guarantee, in which case they will either, you know, they might give you onboard credit to make up that difference. They sometimes will offer you an upgrade. Um, That's actually happened to me as well, where I called about a change. I was in a guaranteed balcony and they moved me out of a guaranteed balcony following a price drop and put me into a higher category of balcony, which was great. Uh, you know, usually if you make, if they make that kind of change, you won't lose the perks and things that you had associated with your, your other. Now there are some cases where the cruise line will say, yes, we can do this, but we are going to have to rebook you. We're going to cancel your current reservation, rebook you at the lower price. And that can be a little tricky because sometimes that means, well, maybe you don't get the same perks that you had before. Maybe the perks you had before were better. What I immediately recommend doing is if you have um, a price, and if you're fairly comfortable that it probably won't drop much more than that, call the cruise line, call them and speak to them. And if you get somebody on the line who says, yeah, I'm sorry, there's not anything we can do. That's okay. Call back again, (laughs) speak to somebody else because that sometimes happens as well. And that's not just with, with price drops. It's with everything. Sometimes you get somebody who maybe doesn't know the answer. You know, maybe they think they know the answer or maybe they know the old answer and it's not applicable here. It never hurts to try back and see if you can get, you know, somebody else who actually can help you and who can facilitate, you know, whether it's an onboard credit or an upgrade or something like that. Definitely worth pursuing. There are people who sort of look at it and shrug and say, well, you know, I booked it for what I was willing to pay for it. And yeah, the price has dropped, but I don't want to be bothered. And hey, if that's if you've got the money to burn and you don't care, great, go for it. But if you want to, it's it's worth trying. You will very, very often find that you get something for your effort of making the phone call and being nice. Being nice always helps. Don't yell at the person on the other end if they tell you that they can't help you because, you know, they, they can't. But it's always worth at least trying with the phone call. All right. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thank you, my friend. Talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at tripinsurance.com. Not, not only does tripinsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, tripinsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out tripinsurance.com.
You're listening to Cruise Radio, America's trusted voice of the cruise industry. Earlier this summer, Jim and the family took a cruise on Carnival Celebration, a rather exciting cruise on the ship. We'll get to that in just a few moments. Jim's here to talk to us all about his family sailing. How you doing, my friend? Oh, hi, Doug. Thank you so much. I've uh, been a big-time fan of your program for years, and uh, I'm glad to be talking with you. Thank you, Jim. Very nice of you to say. So you're just a little bit north of me up in Georgia. What made you and the family want to take this eight-night on Carnival Celebration out of Miami? Tell you, Doug, it was Primarily, it was a graduation trip for uh, my youngest daughter, and choosing the celebration was strictly the tip because it was, you know, Carnival's newest ship, and uh, we I, I've never sailed on that class of ship, and we were all excited about everything that that ship uh, had to offer. So that's the one that made the decision for us. And then, of course, the itinerary itself, been to those islands uh, all uh, except for Bonaire. But uh, I've been to Aruba and Curacao a couple of times now. But um, really, the whole idea was uh, picking the uh, carnival celebration. Very good. Now, since you're so close, well, I say close to the port, like six hours or so. Um, did you do any pre pre cruise time down there, like a night ahead of the cruise or anything like that? Yeah, I did. Uh, went the day before um, and flew this time because I'm sick of driving in that Miami traffic. Mm-hmm. I hear you. <laughs> so decided to fly this trip and. Um, that was pretty uneventful and uh, got there, you know, that morning and just hung around downtown Miami and just enjoyed that. And uh, then went back to the hotel, got some rest before the next day. Where'd you fly out of Jacksonville or Savannah? I actually flew out of Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah. 45 minutes you're there. I love it. Yep. So you make your way to Embark Carnival Celebration. How was that process? How long did it take you from curb to ship? A little bit longer than I expected. It wasn't bad. Um, we were platinum, so we get the you know priority boarding or whatever. So we were in the first group to go or among the first. Had to sit there in the waiting room a little bit uh, longer than I thought we would. But, you know, I just figured, you know, it's turnover day. Might be taking them a little longer than expected. But um, it, it wasn't unpleasant at all. It was, I'd say we probably had to wait there maybe an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. What did you think of that new terminal? Oh, it's beautiful. Um, quite comfortable, uh, but it was still pretty crowded. It, uh, even though it was larger, but it was it was definitely uh, at least in the area we we were, it was it was pretty packed out. Yeah, when when things are backed up and delayed like that, it sure feels uh, like you're piling on top of each other. Considering a ship holds six thousand people, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, we took all that into consideration and uh, really, though, for the most part, uh, had a pleasant experience as we uh, got ready to board. It was it was pretty easy. I mean, wasn't much to it. Were they using the drug dogs on your sailing uh, during Embark? Ah, yes, we did see the drug dogs. Yes, indeed. We had to uh, go through that. And of course, that didn't take long, but uh, it did slow down the process just a tad. But, um, you know, it was uh, it it, it wasn't um, unpleasant. So have you sailed on uh, Mardi Gras before? I have not. And and that's why I was really excited about this one, because I, I really it was just going to be a totally new experience, mm-hmm. a new class of ship. So we're excited to get on Celebration. Yeah. So you make your way on board. What were your first impressions? Because it is much different than any other Carnival ship. Oh, no kidding. I mean, it was uh, it was impressive um, right off the bat. Just loved the look of the ship. Um, just really enjoyed how things were laid out. 
but I will say for, for me, it was a little bit of a learning curve. Well, not just for me, but for everybody we were cruising with, it was, it was a little bit of a learning curve to try to figure out how to get around the ship. But, um, but once we kind of dialed that in, it was, um, it, it was enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because like normally on the uh, basically every other carnival ship except this Excel class, um, you walk on, you know exactly where to go, where you are. It took me actually two days. It wasn't until the second sea day to figure out which way was front, which way was back, where the zones were, and uh, yeah, it was it was a big uh, big learning curve for me too. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. It took us about two days to finally kind of get it down pat, and. Uh, but once we did, we understood it and could could get around a lot easier. And um, but but it it did take a little bit of time. And um, and then you know the elevators and the dealing with all of that. And oh wait, you can't go this way. You got to go down to this one. <laughs> you know it was uh it was a learning curve. But once we figured it out, it was it was very pleasant. Yeah, for sure. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book? And what did you think of it throughout the eight days? Yeah, I got a balcony stateroom, uh, deck eight. It was like, uh, I'd say mid forward, but, um, it was, it was nice. I mean, it was a pleasant, uh, departure from some of the other classes. Certainly enjoyed the fact that there was more room in the bathroom and you had a, a larger shower. The balcony was nice, although I, to me, the balcony seemed a tad bit smaller, but that could have just been me and my perception. I was used to having like one lounger out there. And uh, in this particular case on this balcony, we didn't have a lounger at all. Just had two chairs, but, um, but the stateroom was nice. I do wish they had more USBs uh, closer to uh, where the, uh, you know, the headboard is uh, and, and more plug-in regular plug-ins over there. But um, for the most part of the, the, the cabin was nice, plenty of storage uh, bed was super comfortable and um, it, it was a nice cab. Back to what you were saying about the perception of the balcony, I, I felt the same way as well. But to me, and again, I could just it could have been perception as well, but it felt like the balcony was wider but didn't go out as far. Does that make sense? I agree. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does feel, you're right. It does feel like it was a little bit wider but not quite as deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and but being that we were on the eighth deck, we were above the uh, Havana area. And so you were looking down on those Havana suites and, and I was, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was kind of, I like looking down and seeing the ocean. <laughs> and, uh, and instead, in this case, we were looking down on the Havana suite, but yeah, uh, no, I, uh, I had to get used to that. Right. I hear you. So let's talk about food on Carnival Celebration, which could be a show entirely of itself. But what we'll do here is we'll start at the Lido Marketplace and knock that out first. So how was that area? Yeah, I'd say uh, Lido was uh, was nice. It was crowded at times. I would say when I noticed it being the most crowded would, would be for breakfast. That seemed to me to be where it was just like quite crowded, although I would have to say they did a good job of spreading things out as, as much as they could. But there were times where you'd get a little bit of bottleneck here, a little bit of bottleneck there. And, and you may have a, a serving station that's open at one time, but then you've got two or three others that are closed and are not quite ready and are not open. But then once they opened those up, then naturally, you know, things started to uh, thin out a little bit uh, quicker. But uh, uh, the food was good. I, I didn't have any problems with the food on the uh, at the Lido. In fact, I thought everything was fresh, tasted good, and um, I really enjoyed the variety at Lido. 
And while we're on Lido on 16, let's hit all the food places there. So you had the street eats outside, and then in the back you have the um, what was it called? Big Big Chicken? Is that what they call it? The uh, Shack's place? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, did the Big Chicken, and uh, that was our first time, you know, be, you know, being on this class of ship, and that was a pleasant experience. I thought Shack, uh, Shack's Big Chicken was really uh, was impressive. It it was good, and uh, everybody that I know enjoyed it. And the the lines were. Pretty long there, day one or day two of the cruise, because everybody wanted to try it out. But I would say that the the staff really did a great job of moving people through quickly. So you didn't have to really wait in line long, even though the line looked long. But uh, yeah, the big chicken was really good. The other street eats, uh, I think I may have hit them once or twice, and they were pretty good. Uh, didn't have any issues at all. The uh, the fry station and the uh, dumpling thing was a uh, both were pretty good. Um, did not not good enough for me to want to just go back every single day, but mm-hmm. uh, they were definitely good and they were good and 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 enjoyed them when I had them. Okay, then you have on seventeen. You have Guy's Burger. Did you go up there? Did uh, that's the first thing we did uh-huh. uh, as a tradition. <laughs> and um, Guy's Burger was good. Uh, the line was long, but it moved rather quickly. And um, Certainly, uh, Guy's Burger is always a winner. And then let's talk about the main dining room, which uh, is down there on 6 and 7. How was your food in there? Yeah, I did the uh, anytime dining um, because I kind of like to eat earlier. As far as getting in, we never had to wait more than five to eight minutes max, mm-hmm. no matter what time we chose. But we always chose to eat between 530 and like a, maybe 630, somewhere thereabouts. Um, but it was pretty seamless getting in. The service in there was really good. Uh, every, the staff was quite friendly. Um, I'd say the food was uh, was on par with what we expected for a Carnival main dining room. and It was good. Didn't have any complaints with the quality uh, of the food. Um, it was it was exactly what we expected and it might have been even a little better than we expected. Did you do any specialty venues on this eight night? We did the hibachi. We did that uh, the very first night, and um, that was a little bit of a debacle being that we booked it ahead of time, but they didn't have the entire group at the same time, even though we booked it at the same time. So took a little juggling um, to get that done, but um, eventually the staff did a good job of finally uh, putting that together, and we got to eat. Uh, they, they told us that we wouldn't be able to eat then. Um, because there was some kind of mix up in the system, but, uh, they did a really good job of working that out and, uh, making that happen. And then of course the experience, uh, was, was great. The food was really good. We had great entertainment, uh, with the chef and, um, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. So I guess you had what, did you have like more than eight people or so in your group? Yeah, we had six. Okay. Um, gotcha. but, but for some reason, the two of the six did not it didn't put it together for some reason. Now on that ship, Chebang and Cucina are included as a quote unquote dining room experience. Did you eat in uh, either of those? Yes, we did. Um, in fact, uh, both of them. And I like Chebang. Um, the Chebang lunch is a little bit different than the Chebang um, dinner. I had a pleasant experience at both of them. I thought the wait staff was very good um, and friendly. I, I thought the food was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't. I didn't have a bad meal there at all, uh, whether it was lunch or the dinner. Um, and the Cachino, uh, again, same thing. It was it was very good. Enjoyed it. Uh, had no issues there whatsoever. Food quality was good. Uh, everything had good taste, and the service was uh, was very good. 
And then on deck eight, we'll hit this last part of the food here. You have barbecue, pizza, and deli. How was that experience? <laughs> okay. So uh, let's start with pizza. Good gracious. Man, caramel pizza, it, it, on, especially on the ship, it was just good. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. And that line was long, but it moved fast. And everybody wanted pizza. I mean, they stayed busy the entire time. But all the different varieties, and, and you could get up there and you could take whatever they had. But if you wanted something special, like, hey, I want this, but add, add these toppings or whatever. They were really good about uh, trying to get that done, even if there was a crowd. They'd move the people on through, and then when yours was ready, they just hand it to you and you go. And it was, it was a very pleasant experience. I thought the pizza was delicious. Sandwiches were very good. Uh, Everybody that I didn't personally eat at the sandwich, uh, uh, but those that were with my group did, and they enjoyed the sandwiches, thought they were very good. Uh, ate there on several occasions. And then the uh, pig and anchor, uh, oh gosh, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, I always had a great meal there, never had a disappointment there. Good flavor with the food. I mean, barbecue at sea is hard to do, uh, but I thought they did a pretty good job of it, and uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, never had a bad meal there. And a the great thing about that, too, is we enjoyed having breakfast there. So you get to have breakfast there, too, if you get up early enough, and uh, we enjoyed that as well. Yeah, it's interesting how they do that, um, the barbecue, because you can't have a, a real authentic smoker at sea because of the flames and everything, so it has to be modified. But it tastes pretty darn good. It does. And, and again, you know, they use wood chunks. Uh, they had one of the pitmasters kind of show me how he did it. And, you know, they accomplished it with wood chunks, even though they're not like burning real mm-hmm. actual sticks as a, as a traditional barbecue place would. But uh, it was nice. And I appreciated them taking the time to show me that. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was nice of them. And, and again, for them to be able to get that kind of flavor uh, the way they do it, uh, I thought it was pretty good. How was the entertainment on this eight-night cruise? Oh, wow. Okay, so I really enjoyed the the, the string uh, trio. My goodness, those guys. We saw them play, uh, perform two or three different uh, of the smaller venues, and then they did the big show. Um, and I wish I could remember the name of the string show that they did with the uh, entire uh, cast, but uh, it, that was enjoyable. Uh, everything that the strings did uh, was just amazing great talent, great performers, enjoyed that immensely. And as far as the big shows, that's the only one that uh, we went to was the one that um, had the strings. But I, I have to say it was it was phenomenal. Did you go to any of the shows that are like, um, what do they have? Is it Family Feud or anything like that? Yes, did the Family Feud. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I just wish that they had done more of them back to back so mm-hmm. they do like one and then you're done and then you have to come back later and they'll do another one or whatever but i personally wish they had been able to do more of them back to back while we were seated in there but i would say that they were the the hosting was great the the the, the, the families that participated were a lot of fun and uh it, i enjoyed it it was it was a, definitely a highlight how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion with, uh, what, 6,200 people or so on board? Doug, not bad. Uh, sea days were fine. Um, I think the only time that, you know, I really saw things that were super crowded were, again, at the Jack's uh, Chicken. And then, of course, guys um, a little bit, but then um, might have seen some crowding definitely around the pizza. Uh, oh, oh, oh. And the ice cream dispensers. <laughs> Sometimes you get some long lines there, but um, yeah. 
for the most part, the uh, the crowds during the sea days were uh, were weren't bad at all, and I, and I think that there's so much to do on that ship that everything's dispersed so well that um, it, it, it was very pleasant. Did you get to jump on that roller coaster? I did not. Um, thought about doing it, but I found so many other things I wanted to do. Just uh, didn't do the roller coaster. Have to do that one next time. And how about uh, did you or the kids do like the uh, what is it called the ropes course or the water park or anything? Yeah, uh, kids did the uh, water park. I don't think they did the ropes, but they did do the water park and just about everything else you can imagine. So this Southern Caribbean cruise took you down to the ABC Islands. How was Aruba, Bonaire, and Carousel? First time going to Bonaire, but let's hit Aruba first. Been there three times. This is my third time going, so it it wasn't something that um i've done several excursions on aruba before and 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 have done some really fun ones this time just kind of hung around there at the port area uh went downtown walked around there and did the little uh hop on hop off bus that goes around town in aruba and um enjoyed that uh, that was a lot of fun and but for the most part didn't do anything exciting really in aruba but uh, did enjoy the port. Ship was stayed there for a long time. I think didn't leave till 10 p.m. that night. So that was a pleasant um, change from the norm because normally we leave a lot earlier than that. So it was nice being able to be there that long. And I did enjoy um, enjoy it uh, the area at night. But um, after that, went to um, Bonaire next, I believe. Yeah, and uh, Bonaire never been there before, but uh, found a beautiful beach to go to at Bonaire. I liked it because it wasn't super commercialized. It was just absolutely beautiful. Um, beautiful island, beautiful beach. Uh, the water was really nice and uh, stayed out there at that beach about all day long. So, But I will have to say this. It's a good thing we got there when we did because if we hadn't, <laughs> it filled up in a hurry and it got pretty crowded there at that beach. Yeah. Uh, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but um, it was uh, Bonaire uh, was a was a fun day, and I really enjoyed the island. Curacao, been there before. Went downtown, just stopped around a little bit, um, ate at a restaurant there, and the uh, at the fort, and then just you know pretty much went back to the ship just because I've done that a few times before. So didn't do anything special really in Curacao except shopped and. Uh, that was about it, but uh, did enjoy it and uh, always loved those three. Uh, loved the uh, ABC Islands. So, which one was the family's favorite out of the three? Bonaire. Loved Bonaire. Everybody just had a great beach day there. Um, enjoyed how beautiful it was. I have to say, it was a pleasant experience, especially being the first time there. Any other ports of call? Nope, just uh, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, and that was it. And um, and then I think the thing that I like about that cruise as well as the the number of sea days because we yeah. really love sea days and um it just turned out to be a really nice cruise overall i mean i was just uh really impressed with the with the ship and um with the crew and the food and uh, you know we were never bored always had something fun to do and uh that's uh that's what i expect with carnival what was it two days down and two days back i believe that was right awesome. yep so this is where the excitement starts because you make your way back to Port Miami. Of course, you're supposed to get the pilot on board around 4.35 o'clock in the morning. But uh, I'm sure you woke up and you're like, we aren't docked yet. What's going on? So talk to us about that. All right. Well, before I go there, let me do say this about that ship, uh, too. I will say that 
it handled very well in the seas. We had uh, a couple of times where we were going through some uh, rough areas of the storm uh, in a storm, and um, it handled it very well. I thought that ship, the movement on that ship was very minimal, and it was very comfortable to sail on even in some um, higher seas. So I'm expecting to be docked at Port Miami. I get up at, I believe it's 4 a.m. on the dot. I walk out on my balcony because I'm like, I don't think we're moving. And sure enough, I look out of the balcony and we are not moving. In fact, I'm pretty sure we are anchored. I'm like, what is going on? And off in the distance, Doug, I could see a helicopter with a searchlight. And obviously now I know that it was a Coast Guard uh, helicopter with a searchlight and Basically, at the time, we didn't know what they were searching for or what was going on. And this is where I want to really give a uh, you know a shout out and kudos to Carnival for doing a great job. I would say starting about 6 a.m. in the morning, 6, 6, maybe 5.30 or 6, somewhere thereabouts, they started giving updates on the ship about what was going on and why we were anchored. And Doug, for every 15 minutes, that we remained on that ship. Every 15 minutes, we got an update, um, either from the uh, cruise director, Lee, or from the captain telling everybody what was going on. They did a phenomenal job of keeping us informed uh, and then helping us try to decide what we need to do because we had to stay there. There was an accident at the, I guess, at the mouth of the entrance of the harbor, and you had a ferry and a 30-foot fishing boat that collided, and unfortunately, there was some loss of life, and um, the Coast Guard was searching for the, uh, I guess, the, the the victim that lost his life, and they rescued one guy, but anyway, they uh, had to clear that debris. They had to have an investigation, and anyway, my understanding was, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, uh, I, I think the fishing boat sunk, and they had to retrieve it, and yeah. so they had all this investigation to do, and all this work to do, and you know, Carnival just did such a great job of telling us what was going on. And, you know, we looked around us and there's there's several other cruise ships trying to get in and not to mention the cargo ships that are trying to get in. So I saw about 11 ships total that needed to get in. At least those are the ones I could see. And we had to stay there till, you know, probably late that afternoon, might have been five o'clock or so before we finally started to probably uh, got off the ship or 530 maybe. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, hats off to Carnival. They just did a great job with their staff. I, I just know how difficult it had to be for them on turnover day to try to keep us in a good mood and keep us informed on what was going on. And they opened up everything. They had everything going. They just did a phenomenal job of maintaining uh, good spirits and trying to keep the uh, everybody that was on the ship in good spirits as well. So I got to say hats off to Carnival um, for that. Uh, Cruise director Lee did a great job and everybody that worked with him and uh, just the entire staff was fantastic. So did Carnival let you stay into the staterooms? I know like, like I think someone, I think they were sailing on MSC and they were emailing me saying that MSC kicked them out of the room at 830. So they couldn't go back into their room, but were you able to like stay in your room longer than the typical eight o'clock, 830 time? Absolutely. They let us stay in the room as, as long as pretty much we wanted to until a, I guess it was mid afternoon when they finally started saying, okay, we need you to get out of the stateroom because we're anticipating that we'll dock at some point. So I I would say it was probably mid-afternoon when they finally started directing everybody out of there. I think the biggest thing for the people that checked their luggage and left it out in the hallway the night before that needed things, 
that was probably problematic for those people that might need to get into their luggage. The other issue, of course, as we all know, was, you know, we had a flight at two o'clock and many other people had flights. <laughs> so that was a circus trying to rearrange air travel with the delay of getting back into the port. In fact, in my case, we ended up having to spend the night at the Miami airport because we couldn't find a hotel room anywhere. And our flight didn't leave until the next morning at 8.30. And on top of that, the airline charged me an extra $400 for the pleasure of changing my flight. Oh, my gosh. You had to actually <laughs> stay in the, like, you had to stay in, like, the Terminal D there? You couldn't, get, like, get a hotel at all anywhere? Well, we called around, and most of them that we called were, like, uh, booked or full because there are all these other cruise ships in the same situation. Yeah, no. You know, and... and Everybody was having to deal with that. And so, you know, we said, we'll just stay at the ho at the airport. And uh, that's what we did. We toughed it out at the uh, Miami airport till 830 the next morning. Yeah, there was a there was a blurb. I can't remember if it was in the Miami Herald or if I saw it like on Twitter or Facebook. But it was some like 7,500 cruisers were impacted with air travel that day. So it's a lot of hotel And that rooms. number seems low to me. Yeah. <laughs> it seems low. I would think there probably were more than that. Yeah. But with that said, yeah, it, there were a lot of people that had to deal with this problem. And um, it, it was definitely a problem. And, yeah. and I guess the thing that I didn't like the most was being charged extra by the airline, you know, for having to change the flight. And, you know, I mean, I understand, but it, it wasn't very pleasant. Which, back to some of the things that you always tell us with your sponsor, that's a great reason to have trip insurance, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the uh the folks over on Carnival Pride a couple of weeks ago who are uh <laughs> having to rearrange their stuff right now because Pride broke down and they're over in Europe with no ship to get on. So it's Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I I heard heard your report on that. I'm like, oh my gosh, can yeah. you imagine having to deal with that? Gosh, yeah. No, that's that's for sure. That definitely comes in handy. I didn't ask you about this uh, during the interview. Um so can you speak on either the Wi-Fi package or how the smoke situation was in the casino? Yes, I can. The uh, smoke situation in the casino was no problem at all. Yeah, they had the section where there was smoking allowed, and then you went to the non-smoking section, and I didn't smell smoke at all in the non-smoking section. And then when you got outside of the casino area, of the smoking area of the casino, I didn't smell any smoke permeating from the smoking uh, section of the casino into other spaces. So I thought that was handled very well um, on the carnival celebration. Yeah, that, that, that was no problem whatsoever. I guess that ship has, that ship has Starlink now, I guess they were saying. Yeah, I guess. So uh, my daughter had the internet plan and she said it was fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it worked great for her. I didn't get that because I like to detach. I don't want to use any electronics or any devices when I'm on vacation. So yeah. uh, she did, but she said it worked great and didn't have any issues at all. Looking back on this trip, do you have any first-time tips to offer in, um, anyone either going to the ABC Islands or sailing Carnival Celebration? Yeah, I'd, I'd say definitely book Celebration. You know, you can be specific about your cabin. If you want a balcony, just look at the deck plan better than I did and find something that works for you. But no matter where you end up on that ship, I just I don't think there's a bad spot on the ship at all. It was uh, the staff was great. Uh, Cruise director Lee was fantastic. The food was great. Didn't have any complaints about the ship or the staff whatsoever. So book Carnival Celebration 
I don't think you'll go wrong with that. As far as the ABC Islands, love them. You know, uh, I've done them before. Uh, I will do them again. Um, really enjoyed them. They're they're a great place to go. And to me, I think uh, I, I've gotten to where I, I really enjoy them more than I do the uh, Western Caribbean Islands. So uh, definitely love the ABC Islands. I wouldn't hesitate to do it again and look forward to the next time that I do. Did you notice on that ship that they're not using um, deck names? Like they're not using like the promenade deck, Riviera deck, main deck, Empress deck. It's all just zones. I did notice that. Um, and that was a little bit of a change for us too, when we were actually booking the cruise, because we thought we were booking the actual Lido deck for our cabin. Mm -hmm. But apparently <laughs> when it got booked, they said, yeah, you're on Lido, but come to find out, no, we were on what used to be known as Lido, but right. not on this ship. That was a but uh, I thought that was quite interesting, but um, it wasn't hard to navigate once we figured it out, uh, even though it was it was it was definitely different. What was the biggest highlight for y'all? Oh, God. You know, I'm going to say the ship, the mm -hmm. ship, just the ship, the ship, because it was a it was a great ship. Again, great crew. Everything that we did on the ship was so much fun. The, the entertainment. I love I love the strings. I just I cannot get over how good they are. And um, and I love the digital uh, board there at the uh, show area in the midship. I can't remember what the name of that call that is, but uh, I love that. And I just I think the entertainment was great. I, I just think the ship itself was the highlight of that cruise. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite areas on there was the uh, I forgot. Was it called the Golden Jubilee Bar with all the like this, the schematics on the wall of the blueprints and everything? Yeah, that was super nice. I enjoyed that. That was really cool. All this little the specialty spaces. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Doug, too, because I didn't want to leave this out. I really enjoyed the space that they had for uh, the, uh, the the veterans and the, the heroes at the back of decade. That was a nice space. Um, I really enjoyed that. In fact, probably spent most of my time on the ship in that very location. Really enjoyed that. Plus, you have the ice cream machines there, too. Yes. Um, in fact, uh, we had to try to police those ice cream machines because I felt so bad for the guy that was working that area. People would not operate the levers correctly and they dump ice cream everywhere. And so uh, we had to uh, try to help uh, educate some of the people that didn't know how to use them correctly. But uh, anyway, it was a nice area <laughs> and a lot of fun. Everybody had a great time back there. Well, in closing here, Jim, your final thoughts of Carnival Celebration. Great ship, great crew, love the itinerary, and would we'll do it again, and I uh, can't wait till we do it again. I will be on that ship another time. Also, uh, looking forward to the uh, Jubilee coming out, uh, which should be uh, sometime uh, later this year. Yep, it's floated out a couple of weeks ago, so it's going to be, uh, yeah, de uh, December, end of the year, it's going to be happening in Texas, yep. so that's number three. Definitely. Yeah, we're talking with Jim about his eight-night ABC cruise aboard Carnival Celebration. Jim, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Uh, thank you, Doug. Enjoyed being with you and uh, love the show. Keep up the great work. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.